This is ILTA Radio, the source for legal technology practices and ideas to help your career delivered to fit your busy schedule. ILTA Radio, get tuned in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our ILTA podcast today. In this podcast session, we're going to be discussing uh, weird e-discovery weird requests, projects, situations that we've come across during the course of our time in e-discovery, what the outcome was, and how to perhaps understand when to push back on weird requests and and what to do when you receive them. I'm joined today by David, and David, I'll let you introduce yourself for the listeners. Yeah, thank you. Uh, David Greetham, I'm Principal at PC Forensics, and I've worked in the computer forensics and e-discovery industry for a little over 30 years now so that just means I'm old. <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us and and sharing your uh, your thoughts with us today. Um, I'm sure in the course of those 30 years you've seen your fair share of weird e-discovery. Yeah I think I've found a lot of it comes down to uh, collections and productions you know and sometimes there are the things that you're asked to process and put into review are pretty weird. But as I think back over my career, I think mostly about challenges with collections or weird collections and definitely weird styles of productions. Uh, I think um, I remember we uh, asked to go to the island of Bermuda, a beautiful place, never been really excited about it, to image a VCR video cassette. You know, some of the listeners may, may not even remember those. <laughs> And there were some delays uh, getting the approval once I got there. So I ended up spending the weekend on the island, which is a pretty expensive place, and somebody else was paying for it. So I thought, hey, I really looked out here. Got to go around the island and, and, and what have you. Then on the, on the Monday, I did image the video cassette. It really didn't take a long time. really technically wasn't very difficult. But the weird thing about this was when I returned to our lab, the client asked me to produce the recording as TIFF images, one frame at a time, which made no sense whatsoever. Apparently, they had an expert who wanted to look for micro expressions and evidence of deception on this video recording. And they felt the way to do it was review the video one frame at a time in a TIFF image. So that was pretty weird. It's not something we do every day. Oh, absolutely. And it, it's funny that there does seem to be some logic behind it. But when you get the request, it's just so completely out there. You just think, why? How could this be of use to anyone else at all? Who wants to receive millions and millions of TIFF files of video frames? Right. And we've been asked for other weird things. Uh, we once had a fairly new attorney who was really taking the federal rules to the to the absolute letter and, and perhaps not interpreting them very well and asked us to produce tip images of all of everything on a computer and, and I had a conversation said well obviously you don't want system files like the Windows registry and and they did and they were very insistent that the law said we have to produce everything so we ended up despite our and we did push back despite our uh, bad judgment we ended up producing millions and millions of pages of TIFF images of the content of system files from within a Windows system. Um, when when the bill came, and yeah, obviously <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot, there was, there was some discussion about why on earth did you do this? And, and uh, you know, we had the conversation and, and uh, it made no sense and it never happened again. And the next time they kind of listened to us, 
one was said, this just doesn't make sense. And I think there's times when you really do have to push back. But ultimately, at the end of the day, and I was working for a service provider at the time, ultimately, at the end of the day, your your client is going to make their request. I've always felt it was our obligation to try correct them where needed or guide them is probably a better word, especially when people who haven't been in e-discovery for a long time. There's a lot of nuances here and there, and obviously producing system files or TIFF images doesn't help anybody. Mm. Uh, so we do see some of that, particularly, you know, I have seen, particularly with uh, younger attorneys who uh, are not being guided well, perhaps, by their partners or, or really don't have a trusted relationship with their service provider at this stage and really just reading reading the law from a page. Yeah, I, I guess you're right that ultimately it, it is your client's call and our role as as e-discovery advisors and consultants and experts is to make sure, I suppose, that they understand the consequences of those requests, like yeah. a massive bill at the <laughs> and end a of massive, it. And a massive useless review project. Yeah. Because, uh, and if I recall correctly, they actually hired contract review attorneys to review TIFF images of system files. Mm-hmm. So the the building end with the millions of TIFF images. So lessons learned. I was certainly definitely a little bit weird. Um, let's circle back around to collections because mm-hmm. I've often found when talking to friends and colleagues in the industry that that's when you get yourself into some very bizarre situations. I had a colleague who once told me about a collection exercise they did where none of the custodians knew so they snuck into the building at night and had to image all the computers before they came back in the morning and leave everything exactly as they found it. Do you have any other examples of interesting collections outside your tropical adventure? (laughs) Well actually that example you just gave is not as rare as you might think. I've been involved in several uh, um, collections where you will go in on a Friday at seven or eight o'clock in the evening and you would have a, a floor of computers that you had to image and and without leaving, it was over, um, it was covert. So mm-hmm. what we used to do is actually take a picture with a camera or with your cell phone of the desk setup because when people sat at a desk all day, every day, they know exactly where everything is. And so we had to do that for about 40 or 50 computers. The problem with doing it overnight, apart from the fact that is you're tired, you know, it's when you're normally sleeping, is that the air conditioning turns off. And uh, I remember doing it once in Connecticut, and uh, it was summer, and just spent all night just dripping in sweat, trying to collect computers from under desks and pulling the hard drives out and what have you. I think one thing that I remember going to Brazil and, and some of the weirdest things happened internationally. In Brazil, I arrived at an airport to, to really replicate some backup tapes. I, I believe the privacy law in Brazil at the time was that you could not take original media out of the country, but you could make a replica or an image. And I believe the job was to do that. And I got to the airport and I arrived in Sao Paulo and somebody's, you know, typical, you come through customs and out and somebody's holding up a sign with your name. Well, there's two guys holding a sign with my name. I was like, well, this is odd. And one of them was a driver and one was a bodyguard. And they actually gave me a bodyguard the whole time. And I felt like some celebrity being protected, but apparently it's pretty common that, um, you know, if you're from North, if you're based out of North America and you go down to South America, they 
the uh, attorneys will make sure you have some security. And that was fine until I realized that this bodyguard was quite literally with me 24 hours a day to the extent they slept outside the hotel room uh, on the floor. And and we, you know, we had a language barrier. I, I, had, I knew a little Portuguese and he knew a little English. So we kind of tried to let him sleep in the hotel room or something. And he just wouldn't do it. And um, when I got back to the airport, I'd been to come home. I'd been with this guy for like three days. And it was almost he was almost upset that I was going. We became kind of friends with nonverbal friends, if you like. So that that was a little weird. But Rachel, I think you have an experience in Brazil as well, if I remember. Oh, I do. And I'm not sure if Brazil is a hotspot for this or maybe it used to be. Um again collection exercise we went off to Sao Paulo to collect from a good you know maybe a couple of dozen of custodians for our client arrived at their office in Sao Paulo and were told that half the custodians didn't actually work there they worked in in a factory right in the middle of rural Brazil so off we went with an interpreter and we got on this tiny tiny little plane flew off to the middle of the jungle literally there were capybaras wandering around and crocodiles and headed off to this factory spent a couple of days imaging phones and laptops at the factory went back to Sao Paulo and went back home and we found out later that the day after we'd been at the facility the federal police in Brazil had raided it looking for the exact devices that we had imaged. So if we'd been a couple of days (laughs) later, um, we might have been all caught up in that. Oh, we are sending search parties looking for you while you're in federal prison in Brazil. (laughs) (laughs) Who who thought of that any discovery? Oh, exactly. And I'm sure they wouldn't have understood what we were up to. Do you think a lot of these weird requests and situations are from past or do you still have them coming up um, nowadays? given our, you know, perhaps more sophisticated technology and hopefully a greater understanding of e-discovery in the, the legal industry, do you, do you think that weird requests will become less common? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think they have already become a little bit less common, uh, I think for a couple of reasons. I think one is you mentioned technology advancements. Uh, there's a lot more remote technology that works well uh, for remote collections. And I think a second part is that uh, in the US, that I'm finding that the attorneys who are coming out of law school, who are often, you know, junior associates who are given some of the, you know, what's considered, you know, more menial work, they're, they're better educated in this arena. It used to be that, you know, a, an attorney would have a very general practice and uh, general, very general training in law school. And I'm seeing, much more training for uh, graduating law students in the in the, the technology sector and very specifically in the legal technology. So I think that has taken some of it away. I, I still think there's a little bit there. Um, fairly recently, I was uh, there'd been a production. I was working with a law firm, and they produced to the adverse party of the law firm, and then the law firm. Uh, made their production, which included the production they'd received from the law firm I was working with. And when asked why, they really didn't have a good answer, but they just felt that's what they were meant to do. So their production kind of got doubled because they produced their own stuff and they produced our stuff back to us as well. 
still we still see the you know weird things happen people fully not understanding the process and occasion but it is definitely definitely less and i think going forward we're going to continue to see people being better educated and i think we're going to see technology do a lot of the the grunt work if you like a lot of the basic mm-hmm. things and we're going to see specialized counsel overseeing that process rather than doing it. So I think that's really going to help. And that can only be good for us as well, even if it reduces the number of stories that we can tell. <laughs> it does. And I think, you know, I one of the first stories in the US was I went to collect from an adverse party. I've never, I think it was the first time I'd done that. And they're particularly hostile towards me, uh, you know, like I was the bad guy. And, you know, I'm really just going through a process here on behalf of somebody else that's been agreed by the legal teams. And most recently I've done that. And it wasn't like that at all. People were very accepting of the process. This is discovery. You know, part of the process is collecting and, you know, preserving, collecting, filtering the data to get to the facts at hand. So I've even seen a change in there, even collecting, you know, from your adverse party, much more understanding, much less hostility. Uh, And again, I think uh, remote collection technology has done really well. Um, So maybe those days are behind me as well now. Well, on that uplifting note, David, Mm. thank you so much for your contributions. Um, It was really interesting hearing you talk about your experiences, and I'm sure everyone listening feels the same way. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today on the ILTA podcast. You've been listening to ILTA Radio. Subscribe to ILTA's podcasts through iTunes or Podbean and get alerted about new recordings. ILTA Radio. Get tuned in.